Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Build Local Podcast. Here, we are educating, inspiring, and connecting small business owners and entrepreneurs by telling real stories of struggle and success. My name is Scott, and I am the owner of Visual Element Media in Duncansville, Pennsylvania, and I am so excited to have you joining us here on this podcast. Uh, I am joined by my very good friend and co-host, Chris Kansky. So Chris, welcome back to the podcast as well, and thanks for joining me again. Yeah, our, our guest today is uh, someone we're very excited to talk to. His name is Corey Hartman, and he is the founder and principal writer of Fulcrum Content. And Fulcrum is a business that provides writing services to Christian churches and and the organizations and leaders that serve them. And we're, we're really excited to talk to him today. How are you doing, Corey? I'm doing well, Chris. Scott, happy to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, so why don't you uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit a little bit about health and your business? Sure. Well, I'll start with my business. What Fulcrum does is uh, help churches and related organizations with their writing needs, and that generally goes in two directions. One is from an organizational point of view, there are uh, needs that they have in, in where they need written content, whether from marketing, for example, uh, a website um, or uh, email newsletter, things of that nature, um, or educational materials that they put out. There's certainly a lot of that kind of thing in the Christian world. Um, and so helping to develop stuff for uh, helping uh, adults, especially sometimes teenagers as well, to uh, learn things, access the Bible and understand it and so forth. But then another side of it, which is actually probably more of what I do in terms of the amount of time I spend um, in a given year, is helping individual leaders with their ideas that they want to get in print. So when you see a book that is written by somebody with somebody else, I'm the with guy. So one of the things that I provide from Fulcrum Content is to help those leaders to be able to take their ideas um, because they're often very intelligent people and often very adept at oral communication, especially from a big stage, putting that into written form so that it's a book that is uh, desirable, accessible, that it reaches more people, and that it also extends what it is that they're doing in their ministries and endeavors. So that's the focus of what I do at, at Fulcrum. I got into this uh, from a career path as a pastor myself. I was a pastor of a church uh, for 13 years, actually two churches in succession. And um, I underwent that classic early to mid-career transition, um, midlife crisis type thing. Uh, although those th that could be misunderstood, people enter into those things for different reasons. Um, but in my case, it was a situation where uh, I was. I knew I was supposed to leave the the particular place of activity, my vocational um, occupation that I was in, the particular place that I was in, and I ended up uh, in this space where I use the skills I have in writing and skills I have as a communicator, uh, but then also with the know-how and the expertise from my clergy background my theological background to help others in the same field. Corey, 
a question that I hear a lot because, you know, I work also in, I guess you could say marketing or creative arts uh, with our church body as well. And so some of the feedback or pushback that I guess that we get is you shouldn't be marketing church or you shouldn't be, you know, um, using poetic, you know, or creative means to, to share the gospel and, and to interact with people. You should just be focusing on the preaching and teaching. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts on that are first that when people raise an objection like that, it generally comes from one of two places. One place that it comes from that I'm not really in favor of uh, is that religious institutions um, of all sorts, regardless of the religion, are by nature highly conservative beasts. Hmm. And that is regardless of what the theological or political leaning is of that institution. In other words, you can have a religious institution where everybody in that institution is to the left of the Democratic Party, and yet they're still a highly conservative organization from an organizational point of view. Right. And so religious organizations, by their nature, by the nature of religions themselves, um, and, and probably for other reasons as well, uh, tend to be more change resistant than the average organization. But and so sometimes there's resistance to refreshing the church's visual brand or even entertaining the concept of a visual brand for that reason. But there's another reason that people sometimes resist it that I'm much more sympathetic to. And that is that we live in a world in which very, 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 very often style trumps substance. And style is is a replacement for substance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's a million and one variations of that. But, you know, if, if you have a decent phone on your camera and you get onto Squarespace, you can make yourself look amazing when you really have like absolutely nothing of value that you're providing whatsoever. Yeah. Right. So that's just in life in general. So then you you layer that reality of our um, intensely uh market-driven world that we live in and that market-driven world that we live in in late modernity has seeped its way into virtually all assets of our lives and it used to be that there were some areas of our lives that weren't commercial Mm. that what you did or didn't do or what you liked or whatever was not mainly driven by the calculus of um how little do I put in for how much do I get out or how this make me look to other people or, you know, whatever that happens to be. Um, and religion used to be one of those things. Mm-hmm. It used to be one of those areas that was, that was, if not immune, at least was somewhat at a distance from sheer commercialism. And so I think that there's some resistance uh, to, to marketing because of those overtones of, well, now we're just shilling something like everybody else. Um, and we should, we should be distanced from that. And, 
and I, I have some sympathy toward that. Now, that that being said, um, when it's done right, when it's done well, it's the label on the outside of the can matching the soup that's on the inside of the can. And we want mm-hmm. that. We want that. If there is real substance there, if there is something good in an organization, we want what it is projecting to the rest of the world to match what is on the inside so that it actually accesses people on the outside. One of the things that I find as a writer that that I've had to really learn over time, and I'm still learning, frankly, is that uh, I need to spend a huge amount of time on the title of any blog post that I write because the majority of people will not read anything other than that title. Mm. So if I want to reach people, then I I need to spend so much time on that title because the title is the one thing that people will read. And it's the one thing that really has a prayer of people reading the rest of it. And if you think about um, a church's outbound communication as that blog post title, there are loads of people that that's the only thing about that church that they will ever read. So you better make it accurate and compelling and communicate the things that you're trying to communicate. And that is an art form that doesn't happen um, off the top of your head. Yeah, Corey, I think that's, I think that's a great point about, about substance, you know, and I think that applies to, to churches, to nonprofits, to for-profit businesses, you know, Um, I know as a marketer, it's, it's hard, it's difficult when you get a client that that doesn't have that substance that isn't prime isn't highly concerned about creating real value and you have to just try to spin and dress up something that 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 isn't doesn't really have that substance to it so yeah yeah, i think you you focus on creating value first um and you know working definition of, of marketing that i like to use is uh telling the truth in the most compelling way possible and you know, it sounds like that's what you're trying to do. So that's, that's great. Um, and like Scott said, I mean, one of the things that, that we try to do here is, is not to shy away from the, the difficult moments in business. You know, there, there are triumphs, but there are also those, those low points on the roller coaster. So um, can, you, can you talk to us about one of those points when maybe you weren't, weren't sure if you could, you could keep going and, and what, what kept you going in that? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking, Chris. I, you know, th- I, I think that when people start a business, there, there are basically three kinds of people who, who start a business. This is one way of categorizing it. I'm sure there's a hundred ways to categorize people who start businesses. But one way to categorize it is you have people who start a business because they love the thing that that business is about. You have people who start a business because they love making money and growing things and conquering territory. And then you have some people who really love both. And those people in the third category are probably the best at business. Um, I am not in that third category. I'm in the first category. Um, I'm in the category of somebody who who does what he does, um, not because I had a long running ambition to start my own business, not because I dreamed of being an entrepreneur. It was because I got to a point in my life when 
Uh, I needed a job. I couldn't find somebody to hire me, so I hired myself. Um, that was literally how I got into doing it. I, I, and I, I couldn't find somebody to hire me full time. So I found a bunch of people to hire me part time. And that's, that's what freelance work is. And that's essentially what I do. I have, I have certain regular relationships that I, I do things in an ongoing way, but, but it's essentially cobbling together all of those mini jobs to make one job. That's why I got into it. It wasn't because um, I have the passion for business and entrepreneurship that some people have, but I do have a passion for the thing that I do. And this gives me an opportunity to do the thing that I do in a way that is difficult to find um, in other, uh, other venues um, in a, in a full-time capacity, in a full-time way, at least difficult for me to find. Um, and, and, you know, there are family considerations also that made me not want to relocate from where I am right now. And, and where I live right now in a small town in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, I can, I can um, work for anybody all over the country, even all over the world without having to leave. And uh, that's, that's really appropriate for my family right now. So that's a little bit about how I got into it. Now, now I, I give you that setup because since the thing that I'm mainly concerned about is the thing that I do in writing creatively, in putting ideas into words, then the other features of business that involve securing business are not a delight for me. Um, they, parts of them are. Some, there are moments that are. I, I, love, um, I love meeting new people. I love when I get the chance to do that. I love when I get to make a, a new connection. I love, for example, when I get connected to somebody who's, who's thinking about writing a book and I get in touch with them and they're thinking about doing it with me and I get to know them and I really enjoy that very, very much. And so there are some things like that that I like, but, um, but the, the uh, effort and the energy and sometimes, frankly, the worry in, involved with securing business um, and, and, and ensuring that you know, the, the cliff drop off is far enough away that we can keep making it, um, that causes a strain. It causes an emotional strain. It causes a time drain. Um, that's not why I, why I got into doing this. So there have been certain times where that caused a significant amount of worry, concern, anxiety that really made it not fun. Um, there, there have also been times where, and this is more rare, but when it happens, it's, it, it's even worse, where there is a project, a particular project that becomes unmanageable. When there is a particular project, and again, I, I, with the nature of what I do, a, a pretty large amount of what I do is, is large projects. So I'm, in general, I'm either on some sort of retainer situation where I'm doing a little bit each month for somebody, or I'm doing like a big heavy duty project, like we're going to write an entire book. And that takes, that takes months at a time. And when you get one of those, if it, if one of those goes bad in some way, um, it just, it just sours everything. And it becomes like, you know, hitting mile 18 in a marathon, you know, I mean, I, I don't run marathons, but people who do tell me that no matter how well you train mile 18 is horrible and you want to quit. And sometimes with those big projects, you get to mile 18 and it's just horrible and you want to quit. You just don't want to do it anymore. Um, and at those points, it can really feel like 
I, I thought I loved what I did. I don't love what I do. And it's hard to differentiate between um, not loving what I do because I've got one big hairy thing that's bad versus not loving what I do because what I do as a whole is no longer um, delightful. And sometimes it's hard to tell those things apart. And so there have been times that I've, I've wanted to hang it up. And the main reasons I've kept going um, have not been, I don't know, they've not been really, um, you know, noble or inspiring or something you put on an inspirational post or anything. They basically come down to some very concrete realities. One is the nature of what I do has multiple overlapping projects for multiple clients, which means that you don't just turn off the spigot all in one day. There's no serving notice to everybody all at once. Okay, I'm starting a new job, right? Um, in fact, if I ever want to do that someday, I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to pull that off. <laughs> um, but but yeah. what that means is that if there's something going bad in one area, whether it's securing new business or it's a project going bad, there's still people that I owe something to. There's still people I have a duty to, to serve. And um, I got to wake up the next morning. I got to serve those people because I've made promises to them and I got to keep them. And um, and I want to keep them. And so that just, that just gets me going. I mean, that just, that just keeps me going even when I don't want to, because as much as I might not want to do what I'm doing, I, I, I want to fail people less. <laughs> I really don't want to fail people that I've committed to, to serve. Um, and, and so there's, there's that, that's really a, a big thing that, that kind of keeps me going until things clear up and they, they get better, you know, the clouds part, the sun shines and okay, you know, we can, we can keep doing this thing. So, um, so I think that's one of the big things that just keeps me going personally. And, and that's, that's so great to hear. And I think it's so relatable to so many people because um, it's so easy in those moments, uh, even though something may not be going the way you want it to go to still f try to get your mind in a, in a way that you say, this is something that I just need to do because it is what I love to do. You got to look past the, those hairy moments that you talked about and, and look at what you're actually working towards as a final destination and not look at the bumps, you know, in the road. Um, we are out of time. Uh, I, I would have loved to continue this conversation. So we'll have to have you back uh, and, and talk a little bit more. Uh, thank you so much for coming along. Uh, Chris, do you have any final words before we sign out for this episode? No, I'll just, uh, yeah, I want to thank you, Corey, for, for being willing to do this with us and a lot of great stuff there. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. Thank you both for having me. Well, that concludes this interview with Corey Hartman. You can check out all of his information in the bio down below uh, for Fulcrum content. So definitely check them out. And thanks again for watching. And we hope to see you in the next episode of the Build Local podcast.